the Big Bets on Campus podcast. 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 All right, here we go. Spreading the court. Ten seconds remaining. They just got to throw it under the basket. Under the basket. It's the truth for the win. Gone. Oh! They did it. A miracle. Hutchins. Double water. Hit that one from the parking lot. Welcome to the Big Bets on Campus podcast presented by BetMGM. I'm your host, Jim Root. I'm joined by the rest of the three-man weave, Kai McEwen and Matt Cox. Every Wednesday, we'll be coming to your airwaves, dropping a new BBOC episode, talking all things betting in the world of college hoops. Of course, we will stick to our normal cadence here. If you're familiar with it, we talk live dogs of the week. We talk blowouts of the week. We talk some power conference games, some big showdowns, some mid-major showdowns, and at the end, we'll zero in on a little bit of a trend, uh, some some spotlight section is what we call it. Matt, Kai, let's just get right into it, fellas. Let's talk Live Dog of the Week, and I'm excited about this one because I think there's a ton of options here. I think you, you can go through Wednesday and Thursday slate and even Friday and find a billion of them. Uh, where's my dog? Uh-huh, where's my dog? But we're going to try to focus in. We'll start with Wednesday. Matt, I'm going right to you for your alma mater. They are hosting UNC, the preseason number one. But Ken Palm has this as a six-point line in favor of your Hoosiers. Does that give the heels some value there? Uh, I don't know. Have you seen UNC play any defense this year that gives you hope or evidence that they're going to actually defend Indiana, especially up front? Um, especially away from the ball. My goodness, their off-ball defense is terrible. I know it's a high line, at least on paper, if the opener does align with Ken Kai at minus six. I bet it's probably a little bit lower, but not much, man. UNC's got some real issues. And going on the road to Assembly Hall in a ruckus, we need to prove it to everyone that we're going to be elite this year, Indiana home crowd. I would stay way away from UNC. I'm taking them. I'm taking UNC. Uh, here's why, Matthew. And I love your Hoosiers. I really, really do. But UNC is still among the most talented teams in the country, and they can absolutely win this game. Uh, I saw them live in Portland. Yeah, there's a lot of question marks, but also they probably should have been 3-0. <laughs> uh, the Iowa State game, they were up by seven with under five to play, looked in control, blew it down the stretch. The Alabama game, they had multiple chances to win that game. It was just poor execution. Jim, the problem is Caleb Love. The guy is crazy. He, he makes terrible decisions. Hubert Davis, frankly... Not a great in-game coach right now for me. Um, he's not making the right calls. He's giving the ball to the wrong people. But I think that gets ironed out, and I think there's always a chance of this much talent to pull an upset. It would make too much sense for UNC to win here. Yeah, these teams are way too close to equals for six points for me. I'm, I'm taking UNC. If it's six, I'll take the spread. I will take the value on the money line. Uh, Love and RJ Davis are shooting 26% combined from three. I don't think that continues. I know Love takes some terrible shots. Part of that is taking a billion awful ones in a four overtime game against Alabama. Yeah. And I also think losing both of those games, going one and two in Portland, can serve as kind of a wake up call for them. They've clearly been below their potential that everybody thought coming in. And maybe they were too lofty in preseason rankings, including our own. Uh, we didn't have them number one, but I just I don't think this team is hopeless, a total disaster. Uh, like Kai said, I think the one and two is a little rude or, or cruel reflection on how they actually played out in Portland. So, Matt, I'm taking them. I'm sorry. I'm taking your heels. Uh, I'm taking the heels against your Hoosiers as well. All right. Well, loser for both of you. So, wish you luck. <laughs> All 
All right, a couple others that I want to circle on Wednesday, and Kyle, I'll let you pick out the one you like the most here. Uh, we've got Providence going to TCU, and again, TCU will get Mike Miles back, but Providence has been awesome as an underdog under Ed Cooley, so potentially something there. Samford is heading to DePaul, a Samford team we were kind of high on coming into the preseason. They're coming off a weird D2 loss without their two best players, but we think those two, Quez Glover and Jermaine Marshall, will be back in the lineup, and DePaul has injuries. And then also South Alabama, plus 10, headed to FAU, really talented Jaguars team, and FAU has some injury questions lurking. So which one of these really jumps out to you? Yeah, so the three, it's got to be Samford. Uh, but you have to know that Glover and Marshall are in the lineup. They literally just lost to an NAIA team uh, without the two in the lineup. Now, part of that is because Bucky McMillan's style is so uh, variant. It's very prone to weird results. Uh, he does play so fast. And that makes a good live dog here, Matt, against DePaul. If those two guys are in the lineup, I can absolutely see Sanford winning. It's not like DePaul's a world beater by any uh, stretch of the imagination. Uh, Providence worries me a little bit. I think TCU might have woken up with the Iowa win. Um, not looking to fade them anytime soon, especially uh, outright. Um, and South Alabama, kind of the same thing. Florida Atlanta kind of scares me, Matt. Uh, yeah, but they have a high variance upside, man. I might ride with the Jags here. Um, I just think it's a good high variance team. And I know FIU has been awesome. I think you're going to get pretty good value there. DePaul, I think it's actually a good bet to take Sanford too, but you got to make sure that those bigs are back for, or you got to make sure the bigs are out for DePaul. They've been a different team without um, Ogenda and Anae up front. So without them, I think I like Sanford and I think I'm definitely going to take USA. Yeah, I'm with you, Matt. I like them both, too. Uh, the big thing for DePaul, like you said, the bigs, as of their last game against Texas A&M, Nick Ongenda was still in a cast on his wrist. Uh, Yorane, the other big man, was still in a walking boot. I'd have a hard time believing either are back, potentially. No way both are back, I would think. And probably not full strength, even if Ane gets out there, gets out of the walking boot. So I'll take Samford. I, it reads like the, the two key pieces out for them, Marshall and Glover, were a little bit disciplinary and, and kind of Bucky getting getting his ducks in a row in the locker room. Uh, so I think they'll be out there, and I like that one. And then South Alabama talent, uh, I think, can play up as an underdog. So I, I think at least they cover, um, and we'll see about an actual outright win. I believe South Alabama is 5-0 and or 6-0 and against the spread. They're one of the best ATS teams in the country right yep. now. Keep it rolling, Jags. Of course, go USA. I don't know. We're, we're recording this before USA Ooh, plays S, uh, Iran, so we'll, we'll see if this S, uh, ages well or poorly. Uh, let's go to Thursday. Kai, I'm going to go back to you because I think you have stronger feelings on the Thursday slate. We've got Arizona headed to Elevation to take on Utah. Creighton is a surprising plus eight dog at at Texas in the new Moody Center. Oakland plus seven at Cleveland State, a team we've thought about kicking down the well. Uh, plenty of other options. Right? Pacific plus seven at UC Davis. Chicago State plus seven at Bethune-Cookman. I love the outright dog slate this week. What are you zeroing in on here? Jim, I'm going to agree with Oakland here uh, against Cleveland State. I know Oakland sucks. Uh, we, we've probably been documented talking about that in shows. They've been terrible this year, but this is a big spread. Uh, Cleveland State... You know, a solid team map, but not a team that's going to run up the score on you by any imagination. Uh, Oakland can score. That's that's without a doubt. So a team that can score as a live dog. I like that. It's a lot of points. This feels like a game they win after having some weird results early on. And Chicago State, I like them as well. Matt Bethune-Cookman's been terrible. Been way worse than we expected this season, uh, relatively speaking. And Chicago State has actually won some games. So I'm going with Gerald Gillian there uh, and the Cougars. I like Oakland a lot, and I've said that 
pretty much every game this year as I've hemorrhaged money backing them. Maybe it's jumping the gun. They might be a team you want to look to back more in conference play, but plus seven against Cleveland State, like, I don't know. I think Oakland's a more talented team. I don't think they're out coached. I don't think they're out manned up front. And while they are a little banged up, and it's why they've played poorly, um, I guess it's probably the right spot, uh, you know, a great buy low spot if you're looking for stock trading parallels here. Yeah, I do not like Cleveland State as a favorite this year. I think that is like a muck it up defensive squad that's going to be pretty solid as an underdog. I just can't get on board with a world where they're that much better than Oakland this year, considering the talent Oakland has. I know Rocket Watts might be a net negative everywhere he goes, (laughs) but man, Oakland should be competing at the very least and winning that game in my mind. So I'm adding both Oakland and Chicago State. I'm in agreement with you guys there. I'm not brave enough to do the Utah one, Matt, even though we do love our Utes, don't we? Utes, all the way, Kai, they're good. Trust us. Trust us. <laughs> but yeah. Arizona Arizona at elevation, that's probably too much. Still on the fence, Matt. I know you got one last last uh, last week. Um, and then just to, to reiterate, the baby Blue Jays of Creighton, a, a big darling for people out on the island of Maui, but maybe there's some island hangover going to play that intense ball pressure of Texas, and they're still a very young squad, that Creighton team. A little bit prone to turnover so far, especially Arthur Kaluma. I don't, I don't love that spot for Creighton. I think, I think Texas would be my look. There. I don't think Creighton wins outright. Maybe covers, but um, all right. Let's recap everything we took here in the section. I was very aggressive, so um, I went with North Carolina, Samford, South Alabama. Those are all Wednesday, and then Oakland and Chicago State on Thursday. Kai, would you take? Yeah, UNC. Oakland and Chicago State, so three of your five there, Jim. I'm with you on board. Let's, do, let's ride. Jim and Kai and Matt's let's probably ride. against Country. us. Let's yeah. ride. <laughs> Matt, what do you have? Uh, uh, I think I'm going to go with Sanford, Oakland, and USA. Done. Lock it in. All right. There we go. A lot of, a lot of agreement out of us. Uh, quick recap on last week, just so people can feel either confident or ready to fade us. Um I took Butler against Tennessee. They cover, They did not cover. They got blown out. Matt also did the same, so a loser for both of us. Lose. Uh, but, but Kai and Jimbo took Siena against yeah. Florida State. They won outright. They were indeed a live dog down in Orlando. Mm-hmm. Um, Army covered against Princeton. They did not win outright, but they did cover. Uh, I think all three. No, just Kai and Matt were able to uh, get a winner there. And then I, I said Iowa State would beat Villanova. I think that game ended up being like a one and a half, two point yeah, spread. So, yeah. so it was not really an outright dog, but the Cyclones did take care of business. Uh, I think that that was a, that was at least a live dog against public perception on how good mm-hmm. on how good Nova is. All right, let's move into our next section: Blowout City. Last week. Only only one out of four of our bloods got there. That was Kentucky wiping out North Florida. We had a, we had some bad luck, Kai, with Indiana not having Trace Jackson Davis, something we did not know when we recorded. Um, Baylor did not quite cover despite winning by 29. And Matt, your Dukies kind of took a Dukie against Oregon State, had no chance of covering that game. You, you kind of called that. You thought Tinkle would turn it into a bit of a slog. So credit to you. Thank you. Uh, but did not think Duke would carry forth their struggles. Um, I mean, my God, against Purdue, they couldn't score for what felt like 30 minutes. But I don't, this is one where you could argue Duke is like a bounce back spot. And I, I'm just looking to put Duke on the back burner until I see some sort of consistency on offense. Um, I, I don't know. Kai, what are you looking at here? 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Well, that's a recap, Matthew. I'm not looking at Duke this week. Jim yeah. is getting us the options, though. I, I will give you the options now, Matthew. That was simply looking. I'm ready to jump. Let's talk options. I'm excited. I'm sorry. I'm jumping into the 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 outline. I'm jumping the gun. My fault, fellas. One of the teams that embarrassed Duke at PK85, Matthew, that was Purdue. They kind of demolished everybody. Uh, not really a competition in any of their games. They're going to Florida State. Matt, tell me why this isn't a slaughter. Why why should this not be a slaughter, considering how both of these teams looked so far this year? Uh, because name any of the prior seven-foot Florida State guys that have tried. They're all going to come back and band together and just like <laughs> maul Zach Eady up front. Uh, Christ, what, uh, what's the biggest seven-foot-six guy? Maji. Yeah. He's going to come back. No, Jim, there's no chance here for Florida State. I I really don't see one. Purdue is humming on all cylinders. You could argue their guard play is the weakness of that team, but they operate so well in Painter's system. Uh, Brain Smith has been a revelation at the point guard spot as a rookie, and they're all getting Zach E. the ball, and Matt Painter's actually playing Zach E. more than 10 minutes a game. So Purdue looks really good, and I think Florida State has no chance here. Yeah, Kai, I mentioned on Twitter, I, I took Zach Eady 25 to 1 for Wooden yeah, Award during peak 85, and that those odds have shortened. But man, he looks mm-hmm. sensational, and Florida State's just so easy to play against. So, do you see this one as a blowout? Yeah, I literally just took 9 to 1 today on Eady, Jim. I missed the boat as I was in Portland and couldn't bet in Illinois. Uh, yeah, he's basically a favorite now to win the, the award. I think he's kind of a shoe in, man. There, there's like very little chance he doesn't at this point. Uh, but this is not going to be a 13 point spread. Unfortunately, Maryland's literally <laughs> Maryland is favored by 13 right now at Florida state today. We have not at, seen at, the game yet at Louisville at Louisville at Louisville. Oh, that's Louisville. I'm sorry. Wrong team. You know what? I still think it's gonna be higher than 13, but I'm probably going to take Purdue. They literally beat Duke and Gonzaga by 18 and 19 points. Um, obviously you can't base everything on one or two games, but this Florida state team is not good. And gosh, if you just blindly fade them this year you're up by a lot of money right now they they got crushed by nebraska jim yeah i watched entirely too much of that nebraska game and it was nebraska was zero and two in that tournament has not looked good this year and it was a walk in the park for them like legitimately florida state is so easy to play against they make nothing difficult for your offense their offense is a lot of caleb mills throwing up mid-range garbaggio matthew cleveland doing the same thing like they don't produce good shots it, it, we have not seen the floor for Florida State. Like they could be mm-hmm. seven and twenty-three bad this year, and Gosh. potentially worse. I, I don't know. The ACC is just—it's bad. All right. The other one, I, I the other two actually, I circled here. North Alabama headed to Memphis. This is also Wednesday. Memphis twenty-six point favorite per Ken Palm. Again, the real lines are not out. That is why we are uh, going with the Ken Palm line at, at this point. And then Thursday, Utah Tech headed to Utah State. Utah State's been just nuclear offensively so far this year. Utah Tech just lost by 15 to North Dakota, who is bad. Mm-hmm. Matt, do you prefer either one of those, or do you hate both? Do you like both? What do you think? Is North Dakota not as bad as we thought? I meant to ask you guys this in a sort of yeah. an offline discussion forum. Kind of it's, decent efforts lately. a little bit better than... A little bit they better. found their bottom, right? They're not in the free fall anymore. They, they've kind of found their bottom. I've been fading Utah State. I'm sorry, Utah Tech. Um, a lot this season, um, unprofitably. I think 
going to altitude won't be a big issue for them because they they play in altitude themselves already. And Utah State kind of feast on teams that aren't used to that in the non-conference. All that said, I think Utah State's offense is just such an absolute juggernaut right now. And I don't know if Utah Tech has the personnel um, to prep for it. I don't know. I think Utah State wins by 25 here. So that's the one I like the most. Yeah, I kind of like them both, Jim. Uh, North Alabama's terrible this year. Like they I, might. I, be... I knew you had a little uh, North yeah. Alabama stinks angle coming in. <laughs> oh, I, I do because they they didn't cover against Georgia Tech, fifteen points. If you can't do that, what, what can you do? Uh, they're awful, bottom ten team in the country probably. Utah State has been nuclear at home as well. Besides just offense, they've been good at home, and that's a scary team to fade at the Spectrum Center. Spectrum <laughs> magic, baby. Uh, yeah, I, I lean towards both, Jim. I'm not sure I'm going to take either one of these um, just for reasons that I can't explain right now, but I like that there are options for you, Jim. I support you. Yeah, I mean, these, uh, these are not like huge numeric edges for me. They're just like bad team playing angry good team most of the mm-hmm. time here. I mean, maybe Purdue's not angry because they're so happy and, and resting on their laurels and they have a long way to go from Portland down to Tallahassee, but Memphis probably not thrilled with the way their uh, tournament went in Orlando with the buzzer beating loss to Seton Hall in the opening round, had to play on the loser side. And that team is just built to demolish bad squads at home. They're athletic, rangy defense. I think they force a hundred turnovers against North Alabama and blow out the Lions. So I like all three of those. That, that, that's how we'll grade it next week. We Jim took all three and the other guys were eh, wishy-washy. We'll see. All right, before we get into our next section, Power Games of the Week, we have a message, a quick quick shout from our dear friend Stucky from our sponsor. As a reminder, the Big Bets on Campus podcast is proudly presented by BetMGM. So kick off the new pro football season with the king of sports books. Sign up with BetMGM using bonus code ACTION200 and your first wager is risk-free up to $1,000. Visit betmgm.com for terms and conditions. Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Michigan, Mississippi, Nevada, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Puerto Rico, Tennessee, Virginia, Washington, D.C., West Virginia, Wyoming, or Ontario only. Must be 21 years or older to wager. 19 or older in Ontario. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. D.C., Kansas, Louisiana, Nevada, Wyoming, or Virginia. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-GAMBLER in Indiana, Maryland, New Jersey, or West Virginia. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. Call or text the Tennessee Red Line at 800-889-9789 or 1-888-777-9696 in Mississippi. In Ontario, if you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, please contact Connects Ontario at 1-866-531-2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge. Sports betting is void in Georgia, Hawaii, Ohio, and Utah, and other states were prohibited. Promotional offers not available in Nevada and New York. All right, now we're talking power game of the week. That's right. This is power conferences, huge, huge teams, huge spots. The ones that you're going to be watching on TV, most likely on ESPN or FS1, what have you. Oh, feel the power. Oh, I can feel it. And Matt, we're starting with your Dukies. You were already so excited to talk about them this week. They're back from Portland after some down performances. They lost on the road at Ohio State last year in the ACC mm-hmm. Big Ten Challenge. Meltdown. Absolute meltdown late. Not a lot of similarities between the two teams other than Jeremy Roach. But is there some 
anger coming into this one? Do we see Duke with a better effort back home in Cameron Indoor? Uh, I think we do. It's funny, like we're going to see a very Big Ten type of game here. Um, I mean, Ryan Young has become such a critical part of this Duke puzzle, which is a little bit concerning uh, looking at Duke's long-term prognosis. So he goes back against his old Big Ten brethren and the beastly uh, front line of Ohio State, Kai. So I think this game actually is a pretty physical, low-scoring game. I actually kind of like the total under. Um, But from Duke's perspective, I just can't bet them right now because I'm so unsure of what John Shire wants to do with his rotations. And especially when we're looking at Derek Lively be a shell of himself, you kind of go down the line. It's like, man, what does this team, what does the Duke team really have? Like Philip Housey has been great, but beyond that, the, uh, the consistency with the talent has not been there. Yeah. And Derek Whitehead is not uh, without shame here. He's an 82 O rating this year, guys. I know he's off injury, but right. the guys played in six or seven games. When does that excuse go away? He, he's not starting. He shouldn't start. He's been terrible this season. And Lively is not the number one recruit in the country. That's a ridiculous rating. Uh, <laughs> having seen Duke live, I'm a little bit worried about them here. Ohio State looked really good in the Maui gym. <laughs> Maui gym. But three seems like a short spread. My number will probably say, hey, man, bet Duke. Uh, we'll see if I actually do. TBD, I don't really trust this team yet. Yeah, their offense is terrible. I mean, they scored, I think, zero terrible. points in the final seven and a half minutes against Purdue. That zero. That is no points. Mm-hmm. None, not a scored 54 against Oregon State's defense. It, it's just not great right now. They don't know what they are other than please help us, Filipowski and Jeremy Roach taking mid-range elbow jumpers, mm-hmm. which that that's not a prescription for a, a very efficient offense. All that said, though, if it's three, I'll probably end up on the Blue Devils because that's low for them back home uh, in a nice spot. Maybe a little island hangover for Ohio State, although this is a full week after they finished up in Maui. We'll see how that that bears out for them, but would have to lean towards the Blue Devils there, whether whether I end up taking them or not. We'll see what the, the ultimate spread is on that game. Uh, UNC Indiana, another huge one in the ACC Big Ten Challenge. We talked about that in Live Dog, though. Uh, Kai and Jim definitely leaning towards UNC. Matt says stay away. He loves his Hoosiers. Trace Jackson Davis dunk slamo all over these these uh, deeply unserious Tar Heels so far this year. And then Thursday also mentioned a little bit about Creighton and Texas. Matt, I want to get a little more opinion from you on this one because you didn't touch on it too much in Live Dog. The baby Blue Jays at Texas. I know that maybe is scary, but is this number just too big? Yeah, it doesn't feel big. Like eight. Especially yeah. when you when you look at Calc up front, well, I think he can present some real issues. I know Dylan Dees, who was banged up last game or uh suffered a, a mini setback. I don't know how serious that is, but I think you look at this Texas revelation this year, they're already really good defensively last season, but this year they've just gone from really good to Chris Beard, ultra elite level. I think DC up front's been a big part of that, right? The, the, the weakness up front. Last year was weakness. Last year was up front. I think he kind of plugs that gap, and then the vaunted perimeter defense is what makes everything else fall into place. Without DCU, with the banged up DCU Kai, and just with the generally undersized Texas front line, Creighton can exploit them up front. Not may exploit them, but at least put some pressure on the Texas defense by going inside out if they can handle the ball and that against that initial wave of pressure on the perimeter. Gosh, just so many things here in this game. It's like, hey, Texas looks awesome, but. Texas has only played one real team. It's Gonzaga. They look great, but still their schedule has been really, really bad. And Creighton, they looked awesome, but this is Creighton's first true road game. And we saw that atmosphere in Texas. It looked amazing against Gonzaga. That would affect any team. Even Creighton has looked great this year. Eight points, though, feels like a lot. I, I would probably lean towards Creighton here. I'm sure my number will suggest I take it. I'll, I'll give it a couple thoughts, Jim, because 
Texas at home right now could be scary. They're number one in Kempom. They could be that good. There's a lot to think about in this game. Big defensive battle, surprisingly. Yeah, big time. Matt, one angle you've particularly loved this year is the revenge game against old school. You got you think Christian Bishop goes for 25 and 12 here? That's right. Another uh uh boomerang revenge type of game. I guess that's that if, if the pattern holds, then yes, you can basically bet on every <laughs> over in the prop market for uh, Christian Bishop points, rebounds, blocks, assist, who knows. Yeah, the motivated man. Um, but I, I will probably end up staying away because the matchup scares me with Creighton's youth handling the ball against the pressure. But it does feel a tad high. Last one to touch on here in, in Power Conference Game of the Week. Seton Hall headed to Kansas. Maybe this is stretching it after uh, Seton Hall just lost to Siena down in, down in Orlando. Not a great performance, but... Shaheen Holloway as an underdog is really impressive. I mean, look what he did with St. Peter's through the run in the NCAA tournament last year. Great defensive team. I think they can kind of shut down a Kansas offense that's been Jalen Wilson, please get us a basket, and hopefully Grady Dick shows up. Uh, Ken Palm has this game at nine. Kansas is one and six against the spread. Kevin McCuller missed last game against Texas Southern. Bobby Pettiford likely still out too, the hero of their win against Wisconsin. Kai, does this set up for a buy low a little bit on the Pirates? Yeah, I think it might, especially if McCullers out. I think he's so important to to what Kansas does, especially on the defensive end. And yeah, their offense, man, hasn't been that potent. They're 33rd right now in the country offensively. Can't remember the last time Bill Self, uh, a Bill Self team has finished that low. They would be wise, Matt, to get the ball to Grady Dick a little bit more besides just catch and shoot. Um, but I think Seton Hall can, uh, can stay within double digits here. We'll see if it's actually nine TBD. Hey, it might get bet up considering Sienna uh, just beat Seton Hall. So maybe you wait for a little 10 action uh, if the markets will allow you. Yeah, I kind of lean Seton Hall. I'm, I'm with Kai. I, I know they've had major issues with injuries and illness, and they haven't had like cohesive practices. And Holloway's been talking about how that's kind of prevented the, you know, the improvement trajectory he was hoping to see. I still think they could be a feisty dog at fall. Just as you guys mentioned, how brittle KU looks this year. Um, a lot of injuries, very young, uh, relying heavily, heavily on McCuller and Dewan Harris, a very good point guard, great game manager, but like not a guy that you need to rely on for, for point production. And unfortunately that's kind of where this KU offense is at right now. Yeah. I, the Holloway is a dog thing. I think is big. I also like the under Kai, you mentioned Kansas offensive ranking. They're actually really bad in, in 2021. Uh, the team that crashed out against USC early in the NCAA tournament couldn't, couldn't, find a way to score that year. I think under is a decent look because both teams can kind of shut down the other offense. Seton Hall's offensive plan was confusing slash non-existent during their tournament in Orlando. And with the way Kansas has been playing defense this year, I think they can limit it. Seton Hall will probably try to keep the game a little slower given their situation as a road dog, but uh, they've been willing to run on offense. So that's more an efficiency-based under angle, and we'll have to wait and see what the number is. All right, let's go to mid-game, mid-game. How about mid-major game of the week? That seems like more of a a better description. Mid-game would be another name for the trash man pick of the week, and that's coming in a second. (laughs) Uh, But we'll go mid-major game of the week. Wednesday, Richmond at Toledo, only minus one for Ken Palm. Wow, the Rockets... The the not not flying quite as high anymore, these rocket ships after a recent run of not as great form. Toledo Faders Anonymous is having a, a real resurgence. Uh Matthew Richmond, kind of impressive so far. I thought they looked decent in New York in their multi-team event uh, against Syracuse and St. John's. But 
I just, I feel like Toledo trends back up here, getting home, even though they don't have or might not have Tyler Cochran, one of their key bench guards. This is, this number is screaming rocket ships to me. Yeah, it is to me too, Jim. Um, Toledo had a, what, a two game funk. And I think they snapped out of it. I, I would, I would be salivating to bet Toledo here is like a, the one time you actually get to bet Toledo at a reasonable price, not at like the super premium inflated price, which they've been lined at the last year and a half, two years, and still have mostly covered those spreads. So I think great time to back Toledo, Kai, point simple. I agree. They've fallen 30 spots in Kempom last week uh, because UMKC and East Carolina just took them to the woodshed. Really weird results, especially the UMKC game. I still really can't explain that. They're back at home. They clearly love being home. They, they've taken care of business twice this year against the spread at home. Uh, and Richmond, yeah, they've weirdly looked good, Jim. I agree. Their defense is a lot more solid than I thought, but still not a team that I'm like super concerned about, uh, a team that I'm expecting to go on the road and get a win here at Toledo. Yeah, Toledo changed their starting lineup last game. They put Dante Maddox in uh, and moved uh, EJ Farmer to the bench, and they both played really well. It seemed like it worked for both guys. JT Shoemate, one of Toledo's best guys, fouled out early in that game, and they still beat Northern Kentucky by 13, admittedly a shorthanded Northern Kentucky team. But yeah, that's that's Toledo for me. I'll be on them. And also we have league play starting in the Missouri Valley, fellas, a monster one to start league play. We've got Drake, the preseason favorite, clear favorite, going on the road to Indiana State, a bit of a darling so far in the preseason. But Kai, like Toledo, they had some mystifying results during their MTE. Now they're a two-point home dog against Drake. Is that too short? Are you fading the form that the Sycamores have showed? What do you have with this one? Gosh, very tough one. A chance to make a statement here if you're in Indiana State after a very disappointing opening year under shirts, clearly a lot of injuries. I'm not fading Drake in the Missouri Valley. I'm just not. They've looked really good this year, too, and they appear to be close to 100% healthy. Rowan Penn has actually been playing. Indiana State without Cameron Henry against the non-D1 game. I don't really know if that was an actual injury, if he was just taking a rest, who knows. Um, but he is somewhat important. This is a really deep team, the Sycamores, Matt. Uh, but man, I don't I don't think it's profitable fading Drake, especially in the Valley. So I, I would not be betting the Sycamores. Yeah, this is tough for me. I, that's a lot of good Missouri Valley games coming up uh, this week here. I I actually would lean Indiana State. Um, I know Drake's gotten healthier, but it doesn't feel like they're all the way there. Indiana State's deeper. Um I know they had a bad MTE. I feel like I'm just trying to anecdotally play this. Teams coming off really good MTEs, fade them when they come back. Teams coming off really bad MTEs, back them in their first game back. Kind of a Ooh. sort of a oscillation angle, I suppose. Matt, I have a question as a as a big-time lifelong Valley watcher. Mm-hmm. Does Indiana State and Schertz's style of kind of run, launch threes, play fast on offense, is that going to work long-term in this conference? It, does it kinda... feel like Hoiberg in the Big Ten? I, I don't know. No, I with you. I think the conference is kind of changing that, right? Like Bradley plays a little faster now. The you know the Panthers are running a little bit more. Um, you got Belmont in there. I just think the conference isn't going to be as stuck in the Stone Ages going for the next two or three years. So maybe, maybe in the evolution of times, ISU Blue can come out on top. I buy that. It, it, to go back to this game, it's a little short for me, unfortunately. Um, I, I kind of wanted to back Indiana State, but if I'm not getting a full possession i'd love to get three three and a half then i'll probably stay away uh, i do think it's a nice spot for him but I, i'm not anxious to fade drake uh, i would just need a little bit more value on the line all right that's it for mid-major game of the week it is now time 
for the Trash Man Pick of the Week. The Trash Man Pick of the Week. I'm the Trash Man. Just throw me in the trash. You're garbage, and you know it. Totally unreliable. Is that it? Undependable. That's it. You've been told off. How do you like that? Good. It is the Trash Man Pick of the Week. Oh, boy, did we nail it last week. Kai, I can't believe mm-hmm. you. There, there's no way to find a trashier game, I don't think. The Air Force Mississippi Valley State game had 50 possessions. 5-0. 5-0. 5-0. That is mathematically difficult to do in a 40-minute game with a 30-second shot clock. You need offensive rebounds. You need waiting till the shot clock buzzer pretty much every time. It was a mess. And it also wasn't close. So, like, there, there wasn't, yeah. you know, any entertaining <laughs> part of that. It was just a gross game all around. The true definition of the trash man pick of the week. I thought about letting Air Force make a repeat performance here as they host Pine Bluff in midweek, but I'm going to let them off the hook. They've been a little bit better lately. We're going with Delaware State at St. Francis College. That is St. Francis of Brooklyn. Both teams are bottom 20 per Ken Palm nationally. They're both under 500 against the spread. They have one combined win against D1 opponents. It's ugly, but man, Kai, it seems like seven points is too many for a team that is as bad as St. Francis is to be laying. I would agree, Jim. They've had a weird good effort. That, so they beat St. Peter's this year, which was surprising. Uh, I don't huh? know yeah, I don't really understand that. Both teams are terrible. Uh, obviously, we saw Delaware State compete with Villanova to open the year for a bit. Villanova looks terrible. Um, mm-hmm. But these are both two of the worst offensive and defensive teams in the country. They're bad on both ends. So it's going to be kind of a slap fight, I think. Uh, and I, I lean towards a dog in that case, Matthew. Um, but it's definitely worthy of the trash man pick of the week. Uh, yeah, I, this is a hard stay away. I mean, just kind of a game I'm not looking to to watch or even track by any means. Um, um, St. Francis, Jim, uh, have they been better than we think? That, that's my question to you. Like, I, I, no, I know this line looks no. kind of insane. I will, I will emphatically say no. Okay, good. Then, then I think that's the confidence I needed to back Delaware. I mean, to uh, to back uh, Delaware State here. Like, I just yeah. think that that's that's seven. I hope it's seven. Please, odds makers, follow Kempom. We, we'd encourage you to do so for our own personal benefit. Thank you. Yeah, St. Francis a little short-handed. Rob Higgins hasn't played. He did come back last game, but he had been out of lineup. But they've had the benefit of playing a bunch of short-handed teams. Like Minnesota was down. Jameson Battle. St. Francis still didn't cover. St. Thomas was down a couple people. St. Francis lost by 26. <laughs> South Florida was down a couple starters, Jameer Chaplin uh, and, and Keyshawn 36. Bryant. They all say 36. 36. Wow. Yeah. That's what I get Terrible. for doing mental math. Yeah, even worse. Um, Saint, South Florida was down a couple starters. St. Francis still lost by 15. Like this is it's been bleak for them. And I, I'm with I'm with these guys. Delaware State, Stan Waterman is actually kind of trying to build something here. I think the Villanova effort was really impressive. Like mm-hmm. Kept it close for the entire game. It wasn't like they got demolished late. So I think Delaware State trending up a little bit there and, and worth a wager in the trash man pick of the week. I will right, we'll round it up with the spotlight on section. And I opted to go with a spotlight on the best and worst against the spread coaches from the last three years. This is from Bet Labs. Thank you to their fine data. And it, the, the, the game sample, I think, is a little bit uh, lacking because of 2020, the COVID year, there were less games for certain teams. But I think that you guys and the listeners will be surprised by a couple names on these lists. Let's start with the best coaches. Not surprisingly, Todd Kowalczyk of Toledo, 46 and 17, the last three years. That's with his little lull that he had in the MTE this week. That team has been dominant 
against the number. And of course, Matt, that's why we hatched Toledo Faders Anonymous because that team covers spreads. Yeah, all they do is cover spreads. Um, my God, 46-17. Yeah, that's just an insane rate. I'm curious to see how quickly his uh, Mac competitor, Mr. Rob Senderoff, and the Kent State Flashes are on the overall record, ATS record books. They're climbing the quickly hunt, as well. That's for sure, yes. Yeah. Uh, and what they did recently, those Golden Flashes, is cover at Houston, who uh, is coached by Kelvin Sampson. He is one of the best ATS coaches, 35-18 and 18 against the number the last two-plus years. A team just doesn't have down down nights. I did read, Kai, that they had a little bit of a flu going through the team and they couldn't shoot against Kent State. So actually kind of impressive they pulled out the win given how poorly they played. Yeah, I, I'm kicking myself. I was like, man, 18 and a half points? That's a lot for Kent State, a team that's really, really good. But then it's like, oh, they're playing Houston. No, thank you. Not ever fading Kelvin Sampson. <laughs> uh, yeah, impressive really on both parts. I mean, even a flu, Houston is a top five team in the country, right? Yep. Uh, and then a couple other coaches who've kind of drawn attention so far this year, Shante Leggins at Eastern Washington and He's Portland wonderful. over those, those two games. He was, yeah, the Portland pilots were a wonderful watch out in uh, the PK 85. Then Jason Hooten of Sam Houston state mm-hmm. last year, got it done with Texas A&M transfer Savion flag this year. They're led by Wichita state transfer quite grant. They've got some big outright wins at Utah at Oklahoma so far this year. Hooten's been great. And then Matty Dan Earl uh, of VMI and Chattanooga now, just a tremendous coach, has elevated uh, every program he's been at. Specifically, the VMI thing was unbelievable. That team should never be competitive, but they were. And now he takes over a team with a lot more resources. So Nuga, a team you'll likely be looking to back in the next year mm-hmm. or two? Yes. Um, I got a little too giddy back them a couple times early this year, and it's probably jumped the gun, as I like to do. Um, as compared to Legans and Hooden, where they have ready-to-rock rosters right now, and if you have any sort of discernible gut feeling that you should back them, the data says it's probably a wise thing to do so. Earl is an exception, I think, this year with the new roster he has at the new destination. All right. Now, this is where it gets a little, whoa, surprising. The worst ATS coaches in the last two-plus, three seasons – these are ones that are still employed. I will I will throw that caveat in there. Um, guys that have been fired for their terrible performance against expectations. That's not helpful. That's not actionable. And we are the Action Network's big bets on campus. All right. The worst, <laughs> the worst coach against the number recently, Paul Sather of North Dakota. Team has been bad, has been racked by injuries last year, especially. Got off to a poor start this year. But Matt thinks they're not as bad. Right? You don't think they're as bad as we thought they were? I don't know. I was hoping you guys would answer this one for me. They've, I guess, played two good games. Maybe we shouldn't crown them uh, ATS Kings yet. And I think a lot of the North Dakota fans, if you scour through the depths of their fan forums, are not Paul Sather fans. So um, yep. take that for what it's worth. To be fair, uh, also to North Dakota, and no, and don't have to make a big thing about it, but they their best players transferred the last like three or four years yeah, <laughs> after right. the He's season. Got crushed but by transfer. Poor, poor Paul Sather. Poor Paul Sather. Poor Paul. Yeah, they, I, I, it's at least two years in a row they had the freshman of the year in the league, yeah. and he left. So uh, <laughs> ultimate insult to injury this year, he left to go to South Dakota. They're one of their biggest rivals. So uh, bummer for the Fighting Hawks. A couple other guys that have been really crushed by injuries in recent past. Uh, Dan D'Antoni at Marshall. Last year's team was weird. Certainly had some injury issues, but also couldn't shoot the ball. Uh, several guys had big-time slumps. They lacked a point guard. Thundering herd were poor. Travis DeCure, a coach that I'm actually a pretty big fan of at Montana, or used to be, uh, they've been really poor against the spread. I remember two years ago, they couldn't win a single close game down the stretch. It was maddening. 
and then Leonard Hamilton, Florida State, last year like, lost four starters to injury, complete wreck of a of a roster, and this year it has gotten worse, only worse this season. But the last one, fellas, the third worst coach against the number the last three years, Chris Beard. Huh. Can that be right, Kai McEwen? Is that right? This is surprising. Um, I'd be curious to know if it was mostly last season uh, when Texas was vaulted pretty highly in the markets. Uh, obviously, they 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 didn't quite live up to expectations last season. I'd be curious if it was mostly driven by that. But also, Chris Beard had a really high expectations in 2021 with Texas Tech kind of following a couple of years after that Final Four run. Um, and they, they did well, but they were still a sixth seed in the tournament. Perhaps we should be looking more to fade Chris Beard, which is definitely not what I expected going in. Or maybe not fear fading yeah, him as much. Fade. Like, oh, so okay. Creighton this... basically plus eight this weekend. Yeah. Okay. Week. The number I'm seeing, I don't agree with it. I'll fade him. Obviously, that bit us, Kai, when we backed Gonzaga a little bit yeah, uh, down in Austin. But man, that was the opening of a new building. Huge, huge home game. Maybe that was the, the wrong spot to do it. Matthew, are you surprised by this? Uh, no, I just think oh, after the, okay. the Texas tech run, the value went through the roof too quickly. Um, when maybe he you know, probably should have been given a pass or at least a discount for the, you know, new roster assembly, um, that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, I'm curious how, like, for example, Tony Bennett might compare at a similar point in time in his coaching career, the early parts of his Virginia Ascension, which is kind of where beard is right now with his Texas two-step Texas tech to Texas, uh, where Bennett's been a profitable background, pretty sure for most of that time. I don't know if that's like condensed to 50% where, you know, beard kind of overinflated, maybe the market kind of adjusts down. And if he really is a good coach, he should probably be a profitable back um, the next three to five years. Who knows? Yep. That's it for spotlight on. We were, we were surprised to see Chris beard there, but perhaps he ascends this year. This is the one where the expectations were a, a little more properly aligned. Uh, quick recap on final bets. Uh, we did mention all the different live dogs we're taking. We think it's a big week for them. Uh, in some combination, we've got North Carolina, Samford, South Alabama, Oakland, Chicago State, uh, multiple of us on a couple of those. Uh, power games of the week, nothing super strong, but we did maybe talk ourselves into Creighton plus eight there with the, the Chris Beard spotlight. Uh, and a few blowout games, we think Purdue smashes Florida State, but mm. the number might take off. If it opens 13, I bet it closes 16. P- yeah. People are wise yeah. to how bad the bottom of the ACC is. Um, potentially Memphis blowing out North Alabama, potentially Utah State crushing Utah Tech as well. Uh, mid-major game of the week, I think we all liked Toledo. That was a, yes, a yep. potential pick there. Uh, Delaware State getting seven in the trash man pick of the week. Keep an eye on that one. We'll see where the number lands. Uh, but that is it. That would be our bet recap for this week, Wednesday and Thursday. We'll be back again next week with more big bets on campus. Thank you to our sponsor, BetMGM. Uh, But until next time, good luck with your bets.